Hello, everyone. I'm Natasha Ryan with The North Group. This is our podcast, Time to Head North, where we talk with security leaders about every topic imaginable. And today, today, we get to talk about the happiest place on earth, one of my all-time favorite destinations, Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, which is where we find Scott Nethero, who currently heads up security for Gusto, but in years past, you spent many a years being one of the decision makers on all things security at the parks uh, down in Orlando. So great to have you with us, Scott. Um, I'm going to let you give a little bit more about yourself. Just want to say down below is Steve, my boss, Steve Hernandez, CEO of the North Group. And he's he's mainly here because like all of us, we just love Disney and we want to hear everything we can about running Disney. Right, Steve? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, Scott. So if you want to add to your bio just a little bit, kind of tell us what you did for the parks. I know you helped stand up Shanghai. So just yep. curious what all you, your highlights from working at Disney look like. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thanks for having me on. I, I love talking about Disney as well. Um, I was there for the better part of my professional career. I started there in 1994 while I was still in high school. Okay. Uh, so I've done everything from flipping burgers to driving the steam trains around the Magic Kingdom. Um, and then the last 12 years of my career, I was with the security division. Uh, I was a senior security manager and I was responsible for emergency management, uh, crisis communications, um, the communication center, security training and development and access control. Um, so big job, big. big job. Yeah. yeah, I think I had I think at the last count I had. 70 people on my four teams okay. total uh and i left uh disney at just at the end of in august of 2019. okay okay so i you was there it? for 20 24 ish 25 years something like that when you work there that long do you get like life season passes you just get to go whenever you want no it's because I, oh, I, I left before my retirement age <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott. Well, you know, clearly the reason I asked you to come on is Hurricane Ian, right? So we saw it hit Orlando. Um, we, You know, the devastation continues in Fort Myers. I read today that they've already collected some 25 football, football fields of debris off the streets. I mean, just crazy, Absolutely. crazy stats right now. Orlando, you said it kind of looped around. And, you know, prior to actually hitting record, we talked about some of the sustained damage by Disney World, not big, you know, a little bit of flooding around the Swan and Dolphin. You said a road sign fell. Um, I did see a wall got ripped off the competitor, Universal Jurassic Park ride. Uh, but, right. I, but I want to talk about that is such a big call, right? Like I had friends that were vacationing down there trapped in one of the Disneyland ho or World hotels because the parks are closed. Right. I can't imagine the prep that goes into that, which I, I want to talk about that. But first, number one question, who makes the call to say, sorry, got to close today? And what goes into that? So ultimately, it falls to it's a conversation between the site president at the time. So when I was there, it was George Caligridis. And now it's Jeff Foley. Uh, so Jeff Foley, uh, we will provide him and his senior staff with the as much information as we possibly can. Uh, and then he makes that ultimate call and then he calls out to California and talks to uh, Josh tomorrow and Bob Chapik and says, this is what I think we need to do. And here's the reasons why. And then they ultimately make that call. What do you look at? Like, where do you get all your information from? I'm assuming you're studying weather patterns and you probably have your own meteorology team. Like, what do you look for? 
Yeah, it's it's a lot. We we go everywhere. So I had a team of four that assisted me, and they were one of the best emergency management teams that I've ever worked with. And so Disney didn't have its didn't have on staff meteorologist. I was I was about as close as I got. And when it comes to meteorologist, I'm one of those guys that says I was not a meteorologist, but I stayed at the Holiday Inn Express last night. Um, so what we would do is we actually contracted weather services through earth networks. Okay. Okay. So they had meteorologists on staff. So they, we set up parameters to send us information, you know, as the storm develops. So we would get regular briefings from them. We would also uh, check with the national hurricane center and the national weather service in Melbourne, Florida. So we would get, we would call their, their team and, and get information from them. And then we would actually, uh, in addition to that, we would go online and look at a couple of different websites. Uh, and different tools that we had at our disposal and then we would try to translate all of that into english and come up with the best possible guess that we could that the storm was doing is there a certain threshold like if the winds reach this sustained level or this amount of inches of rainfall is there is there a threshold uh yeah with wind, winds usually the biggest because it's florida we get a lot of rain mm -hmm. so rain usually isn't a huge driving factor it can be um usually anything over an inch an hour which is a lot of rain if you think about okay. it. Uh, yeah. The winds are about 35, 40 miles an hour sustained. Okay. Are the okay. ones that, that really start to shut things down and different different attractions, different modes of transportation, you know, react differently. Obviously the the skyway, the gondola system shuts down yeah. in very, very low winds. Uh, sure. Then it's the monorail and then it's buses. And then ultimately it's the Reed Creek Fire Department and emergency services and their ability to respond. Okay, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Steve, do you have any questions on this question? You know, things around what they prepare for with storms? Yeah, I have I have I have way too many questions for like, <laughs> I'm uh, giving you a turn. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to me, right? What goes into um just you know, having been there a couple of times, right? It's it's one, it's it's terrifying as like a security person, right? To to think about <clears throat> so many people coming through and you guys do such a great job. I just have to give my hat off to you because yeah, absolutely, you know, I, I go to places we do red team and, and threat assessments and, and active aggressor analysis and all that kind of stuff. Right. And it's, it's interesting because you have such a large footprint. You have such an interesting demographic. You have people come from all over the world mm -hmm. um, and, and you have things that you have to worry about on such a, a, a macro scale how do you, and this is more of like a leadership question, how do you manage that from um, from a day-to-day -day infrastructure to priorities to, you know, say emergency management, emergency response to security? How do you prioritize that? I mean, I'm sure it's not just siloed in different lanes, but how do you prioritize what's more important over, over you know, day-to-day -day readiness, um, quarterly readiness, how does that how does that work yeah it's you know i i was there a long time so they they have a lot of different leadership you know monikers that they come out with and they change them over time but the one that stuck with me the most the most is kind of that three-legged stool and it's cast guest and business results if you lose any one of those stool falls over so first and foremost you got to keep your cast happy you know take care of them you know realize that they're people realize that they're doing a very difficult job um, they're not law enforcement so they're very limited in what they can do 
Um, plus, we don't necessarily want them doing that. Uh, you know, you keep your, get, your guests happy. They keep coming back. They keep bringing the money because ultimately it's a business. And then you worry about the business results, you know, last. Because if you take care of the, ga- the cast, they're going to take care of the guest. If you take care of the guest, they're going to take care of the business results. And then it kind of starts looping again. You have good business results. You can take care of the cast better. And, you know, as far as what's going on, you know, there's there's a strong intelligence team at, at Walt Disney World, both uh, corporate and local. And they're tied in with um, CFIX, the Central Florida Intelligence Exchange. So they look at, you know, what's the latest and greatest threat? What's the, what's, what's the hot topic now? Is it active assailants? Is it active aggressors? Is it, you know, social engineering? You know, is it uh, insider theft? You know, what's what's going on that's that's the biggest risk. And then you have to look at it and go, what's our level of risk acceptance versus what do we need to put time, money and effort into to stop that risk? You know, because I'm sorry, you know, you can do what you want, but, you know, you only lock your doors to keep the honest people out. And, you know, it's you'll never make Disney a hard target because you're not going to put up Constantino wire. You're not going to have you know, tanks rolling down world drive and guys in armored up Humvees protecting the, the toll plazas and stuff. It's just never going to happen, but you can make it a really, really pain in the butt target. It, it's it, it's it, hard it, for people to do stuff. <laughs> it's really interesting, right? Like you see a lot of organizations and, and I don't think I fully understood this in corporate security for many years, but you cannot change the culture of an organization to increase the security. In fact, that what I've learned is that the, the security has to mesh to the culture. And I think you guys, I mean, my understanding, you guys do a great job, but I mean, when you have an Ian, you know, bearing down on, 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 you know, the Gulf coast, um, what does, you know, the first, you know, two hours of preparedness look like to the, to the next day, to the, to the following, you know, okay. The, the storm has made landfall. How does that how does that work? I mean, is anybody hunkered down there or is it, is it just, you know, is anybody is everybody gone? Um, is there, you know, a, a kind of what we would call a, in the military, a battle damage assessment that's done post post storm? I mean, how can you walk us through that process? We're so yeah. interested. We're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we learned over the years, you know, back from the storms in 2004, when we had three storms, you know, weeks apart from each other, back to back to back, you know, um, you know, and then we had, we had nothing until Irma, you know, so we really stepped back and reassessed, look, we have executives that have never been through a storm before. We have cast that have never been through a storm before. We haven't closed in 12 years, you know, so let's, let's go back and look at these storms and how can we reassess this? So, you know, I was tasked by George Caligaritas to get this team of executives together that, by the way, all outranked me by leaps and bounds. And we sat in meetings for months planning out how are we going to respond to these storms? And we got it down to, you know, you not only have to look at what is the forecast, but what is the storm actually doing? Yeah. So we kind of came up with a way between my team and I that we would look at another weather station say so the one that we used during hurricane irma was down at glades county emergency operations center which is on the south side of lake okeechobee so we looked at it and we said okay so this particular weather station 
It's on the south side of Lake Okeechobee, which is good. If it was on the north, that lake is basically an ocean. It gives you really, really false readings as far as winds go. So we would look at it and we say, okay, it's about centered in the state. So it's roughly where we're at. This is its forecast for the storm. They're forecasted to receive 50 mile an hour gust and 40 mile an hour sustain, just for an example. So what we would do is we now know Glades County is, you know, 100 miles away from us and the storm is traveling at eight miles an hour. So now we have a time frame. So we would look at it and say, okay, what are they getting? They were forecasted at 7 p.m. to get 50 mile an hour gust. Well, they haven't gotten anything over 30. So that looks like it's a little, it was an overestimation. So we're watching it and watching it and watching it. And now we can take that data. We put it into a spreadsheet that we had built that said, okay, this is what they're getting. This is what our forecast was. So then we can start making those decisions on, we now have an arrival time because we know how fast it's moving. We know the direction yeah. it's moving and we know how far away it is. And now it's got a lot more land to go over to get to us. So if they're only getting 35 to 40, we're probably going to get 25 to 30. So we would be able to make those decisions and we would get it down to, um, you know, okay, we need X many hours to do this prep stage from this wind field. We need X many hours to do this. And with Hurricane Irma, we had forecasted that we would have to lock down the property. All guests go to their rooms, our write-out crews are in place, all non-essential cast members go home. So we do have write-out crews. There's several hundred cast members still on the property to, to manage during the storm. We said 9 p.m., I think it was a Friday night for Hurricane Irma, we're going to lock down the property. We locked down the property at 8 p.m. So we were only off by an hour, which I'll take all yeah. day. Um, and, you know, and it's, we're still running semi trucks to deliver food to the resorts. You know, you got 26 resorts on property, you know, you got to make sure that you're still able to run supplies, you know, so we were monitoring wind, you know, on the regular with the logistics vice president sitting right next to me going, all right, you got five minutes or you got 20 minutes, send as many semi trucks as you can from the warehouse. And he would go and then we were like, look, winds are creeping up, bring them back. And it was that level of coordination that we were literally looking at wind bands going, how long can we keep these these trucks going so people don't run out of food? I have a question. So <clears throat> you hear this. So the ride out crews, I, so I worked at Disney World. They have the, you know, I think everyone's aware of the underground tunnels at this point. Is mm -hmm. that kind of where the ride out crews rest in those concrete tunnels? Uh, so that at the Magic Kingdom, uh, that's where the cast will, will stay. They'll go down... Uh, into yeah. the uh, into the utilidor uh, at Epcot, they will. There is a small utilidor under Future World. Okay. Um, not as big as the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. At, uh, the Animal Kingdom and Disney's Hollywood Studios, there's not. So they they do have buildings that they will stay in. Um, and then the resort cast and some of the security cast will actually stay in the resort rooms. My gosh, you just said Animal Kingdom. And I'm thinking in my head, like, I wonder what the most valued ride is. Like, what facade and structure do you protect the most at, at Magic Kingdom? But then I, the animals, that must be a whole coordination show in itself. I mean, do you have designated, I mean, there's got to be like a whole security team just to run the animal coordination, right? Oh, yeah. Animal programs is is huge. And those animals are treated better than you know, most people, uh, yeah. they all have enclosures that they're able to go to. Um, you know, obviously a lot of the birds, the birds can take care of themselves. 
you know, they're not going to, they're not going to go far from the food. And so yeah. they're not really about them, but you know, the larger animals, you know, the gorillas, the lions, the giraffes, yeah. you know, all that, they all go back, you know, they know how to write out that stuff. Um, okay. So generally animal kingdom is the first park to close and the last yeah. park to reopen uh, because, okay. you know, you want to make sure that fencing is still intact. You want to make sure enclosures are safe for the animals to go back out. Um, you know, the last thing you want is a, you know, thousand pound lowland gorilla to get out and start running Correct. around. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, I mean, is, is there a part of the magic kingdom that's deemed the most valuable to protect in like when a storm comes through? No, we really didn't look at it like that. You know, it was okay. life safety first, you know, okay. let's make sure all the people are safe and then we'll work. Stuff can be rebuilt, you know, yeah. damage can be repaired. Um, you know, we even got to the point where we were like, you know, we don't even sandbag the doors anymore uh, down Main Street because it wasn't the amount of damage to flooring is not enough to put in the time and labor to labor costs. sandbag a, dirt, a door and put a dike up and, and whatnot. It's oh, just really interesting. It's things you don't think of. Right. Crazy. Steve, your turn. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fascinating. I've always been interested in the tunnels at Disney. Um it's always fascinated me that there's like this, this response team waiting for, you know, someone to get out of control and scoop them <laughs> up into a, into a manhole, right? Um, it, it's crazy because you, you know, I, I'm a, I watch documentaries on YouTube all the time and I've watched like the documentaries on Disney and, and it's just fascinating, right? Um, and when we were there, right, my, my wife was all over me. She's like, what are you doing on your phone? Red Disney. And I'm like, I'm researching Disney's revenue projections because it it fascinates me how, how you know, um, Walt Disney built a, a, a empire that is has so many different, I mean, forget the risk management and security side here for a second, but so many different attributes in a brand that I think every child in the world knows. Right. And which the more attention you have, the more adversarial attention you bring. So being able to mitigate not only natural disasters, but the ability to now respond to an incident, because there's been a number of incidences at Disney over the years, which we won't get into, but you know, now having to tactically respond to those incidents, now you're looking at PR, crisis comms. I mean, so it's, it's interesting because I think you guys are a great example of how an organization should run seamlessly. Um, and, and it's through leadership and, and, and different things. But when you have, one thing I, I really wanted to ask you, because I know this is a question that I've seen a lot online is, when you have a missing kid per se, right, at the park, how do you handle that, right? That's like probably one of the most fearful things for us as parents, right? Is, yeah. you know, being at a, at a, in a sea of several hundred thousand. Mass crowd, yeah. yeah and, so can you can you talk people through that? Because I think there's a lot of misnotions that you guys are all over this this issue when it happens. Yeah. Um, and, you know, working in the communication center, you know, and, and leading that team that they're the first line of defense for that. So, you know, there's, you know, tens of thousands of cast members on property every single day in, in all the parks. And there's a handful of security. It's just the way it always is. So it, you know, it depends on how old's the child, you know, if they're 18 plus, it may be someone's child, but if they're an adult, you know, so we kind of look at it a little bit differently, unless there's, you know, 
that some special, special needs, needs or some yeah. kind some kind of uh, you know extenuating circumstance going on. But kind of the general rule of thumb is someone will call it in. They'll either have the child and we're missing mom and dad, or we have mom and dad and we're missing the child or parents. And so if we have parents but no child. We will we do a couple of things. One, we try to get the best description possible. And believe it or not, the best thing that we found to do was to ask, did you take a picture today? Well, yeah. Can we see it? Because one, dad has no clue what the child's wearing. <laughs> Absolutely no clue. I don't. <laughs> you know, mom's probably at a state right now that she can't remember, you know, was, you know, Bobby wearing the blue shirt or the red shirt. Um, but we will take a photo. Um, well, you know, we'll ask for it. We'll, they'll call it into the communication center and then we'll do a bolo over the radios. So almost all cast members have radios, at least a good portion of them. And we will do a tone out is what we called it. We do a tone out to that park for, you know, until we every 10 minutes until we find them. And then we start asking questions. Are you staying on property? Do you think they'd go back to your room? Inevitably, the parent will say, absolutely not. My child would have no clue how to get back to your room. I can tell you on multiple occasions, we found the kid back in the room watching cartoons back at one of our resorts because they knew they could go get on a bus. They knew where their room was. They had a they had a magic band that opened the door and they were sitting in their room. Um, but generally, until it's about that 30 to 45 minute mark, it's strictly, you know, us internally looking for them. Once we start approaching that hour, then we'll reach out to law enforcement and you know we'll bring the orange county sheriff's office in to to help out if we can't uh, locate them but i think in my 12 years with security i think we only had to do that maybe once or twice and those were more for uh, a special needs type situation but generally less than 30 minutes we've reunited the family that's wow. amazing that's yeah. absolutely amazing the numbers on that you know my question getting off hurricane and more towards security is just you know, I, I have to credit your security staff and how you train people because after this many years, and I know there are eyes everywhere from working in the park, you know, but um, it's amazing to me there hasn't been some level, and God, I don't want to knock on wood everywhere, but like some level of violent incident that makes the news and, and you know, where multiple people are hurt. Like, it's amazing that Disney's able to prevent that and hence give people an experience where they actually feel safe to be at a park. Do you think that's a, should we have that sense of safety at Disney or is that a, or are we tricking ourselves yet again into there is a place of euphoria where we can let our guard down? From, from a, Disney leadership standpoint, absolutely. They want you to come in and have a good time and forget about the world. But as a security professional, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, we always tell people when they have their $3,000, you know, DLSR camera gets stolen off of their stroller because they put it in stroller parking while they went on into small world. Well, bad guys go <laughs> on vacation too. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think with Disney, you know, one thing that we've always kind of looked at is, you know, we have these layers of security, you know, and it, it makes, and we, the way that we train even our cast in situational awareness, you know, we'll train our, our toll plaza cast members as you pull up in your vehicle, 
they're not just taking your money. They're looking at you. They're looking at you. They're looking at your car. They're looking at the occupants in the car. And then as you drive away of something, but we tell them, do not just take their money and let them go. Call us. As soon as they reach the parking lot, we have security that's going to have eyes on them. So, you know, kind of the, it's kind of that first layer. Then you get in the parking lot and you have security on bikes. You have security, the driving around in, you know, security, marked security vehicles. We have the security towers up in the parking lot. So there's another layer. So now bad guy is guiding through layer one of the toll plaza. You know, he or she are none the wiser. They get to the park. Hey, look, there's, here's security. Then they get to, you know, the ticket transportation center. Well, now there's more security. There's security canine walking around. They look up and they see cameras. You know, not every camera is a security camera, but they could be after the fact, but they're all mixed in together. Um, you know, you have bag check, you have the metal detectors, you have law enforcement in uniforms that are there. They see this, so there's another layer. So now let's say they get through it. Now they get on the monorail or they get on the ferry boat, they go across to the Magic Kingdom. Now they're walking up, there's more canine, there's more law enforcement, there's more security at the front. And at this point, they're just like, you know what, does it ever stop? And yeah. it really doesn't, you know, yeah. um, it's just those different layers. And as you get more towards that, you know, that park, you know, it, it dips down a little bit, but those rings on the outside are, are much, you know, thicker, so to speak, with security. And there's other layers that, you know, obviously, I don't want to give away. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, you, you can't right. give it all away. We understand. Right. We want to we want to keep Disney safe too. Um, right. So one thing I have noticed, and I'm just curious how you handle this, is I'm seeing more of it, and I don't know if it's because of TikTokers or you know social media, but I get irritated because I see more people breaking rules, getting off the rides, and like ending up on you know like messing with the dolls on it's a small world or mm -hmm. you know or splash mountain i'm just like oh i get so mad when i see it but it feels to me like that's happening more frequently is that true or did it always happen and we're just seeing it on social media now you're just seeing it more you know okay. now everybody wants to put it on you know TikTok and instagram and facebook and all that and i think you know before it just wasn't you know before when i was there the big thing was try to get into river country that was a bad yeah. Which you I don't know, know why you would want to do that with the gators and all, everything of all the wildlife there now. Forget it. You couldn't pay me to go to an abandoned water it's park. Just it's, it's just gross. It's the works of a horror movie. No. Exactly. <laughs> but I think you're just seeing more of it now because um, it happened on a regular basis. And, you know, we, the operations teams at the rides are very well versed in it. And they'll call us and we'll go and we'll invite the person to leave. And, um, you know, that'll be the end of their day. <laughs> But yeah, it's. Um, I think oh. it's, I think you're just seeing it more. How do they get over there? Uh, into the oh, into River Country. Yeah. Oh, they'll jump the fence. So, isn't there another island? That's yeah, there is Discovery Island that's out in uh, the middle of Bay Lake. Uh, that used to be, you know, you used to could go out to it and it had birds and whatnot, and the netting's still up, and you'd have folks that would rent boats, you know, from the marinas and and go out there. Or, um, or whatnot, but it's that one's more of a safety thing than anything else. Um, but there's so much boat traffic, they always get snitched on. Yeah. So, hey, Steve, have you have you Googled it? I'm assuming. So like did you see the stories where people like swim swim out there, like with knowing they're swimming with alligators just to get out to these deserted Disney 
areas. I just I can't. I it's crazy to me. I'll do just about anything but alligators and crocodiles. <laughs> Not swimming with gators. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, it's it's interesting. You guys, you guys have such a um, dynamic environment there. It, it's it, you mentioned situational awareness, right? Um, we 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 are working to to automate the delivery of some training behind that exact thing because what we've realized is it doesn't matter if you're a school a corporation uh, um, an amusement park you know it, it, the military has a saying that every soldier is a sensor um and and it's very true right every every cast member uh in regards to disney is a sensor and and deploying that strategy is is you know something we've seen you know the israelis deploy and other folks you know across the globe and it works right it works in having the lowest the lowest man or lowest woman um whether it's a greeter or or a ticket a ticket counter employee being able to identify just the little piece of indicators that that may be relevant to a predator or or um typecasting or or asking the wrong questions right um it's it's one of those things where i think that if organizations looked at this from more of a holistic standpoint they would they would be able to deploy assets accordingly and, and mitigate further risk because that situational awareness and behavioral analysis training is so important to the growth of an organization not only from a security standpoint but from a peace of mind right um if if there was you know god god forbid a a, a event that occurred right an act shooter or something there um the stigma behind that would would follow greater than the event and we we've seen that over the years and i think it's important that a lot of folks realize it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter whether it's disney it doesn't matter whether it's cedar pouring or 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 you're you're traveling abroad you know that situational awareness um I like to say that every every woman has a mother's heart. Um, you know, you you I, I tell I tell folks this all the time. If you're in Target and you're shopping and you see a kid who's lost, I mean, we we all have an obligation, right, to to address that situation. And I think that there is this euphoria concept with, I mean, Americans in general. I, I would say we are the worst at situational awareness. Um, yep. You go abroad. You go abroad, and it's and it's everybody's there. Everybody's watching everybody, and it's and it's and we think it as a rude culture um, when we go overseas. But when people come here, they're like, "Why is America so? Why are Americans so clueless?" Right. Um, when you know you you guys have all these active shooters, and and it's it's our culture, right? It's our culture just to just to get into vacation mode and forget and head and in the sand. That's Head, head, in, head in the clouds, head in the sand, right? And and then when something happens, we all get on social media and, you know, we're, we, we pay our respects and we say all this, but we don't tend to learn from those events. And I think that it's really important to note that, you know, uh, a, an organization like Disney is is relying on every, every person being a sensor. I think that's really important. That's the most important thing you said for me because as – I know that I can't see everything. I know that I can't see through the sea of people. I know I can't see all of what's going on in Magic Kingdom when I'm there with my kids. But what you can do, and, and this is a this is a tactic I've seen leveraged quite a bit, is 
train people to watch people's responses, right? It's not so much the the adversary actor as the person the person that's responding to the event. Um, I I used to I used to have a friend down there that was with the sheriff's office, and he told me he said, you know. It's a lot. He's and he told me he said, you know, when he was there, they responded to more incidences in parking lots than they did in the park. Right. Um, whether it was, you know, <laughs> disgruntled people with with parking issues and this and that. And but I I think it's it's very safe to say that yes, there probably is a a, a corporate demand for everybody to believe that it's a very safe place. But there there's nowhere that's going to be safer than the ability for us to understand what's going on in our environment. And, and I think that's really important that you guys leverage that because there are many organizations, many mass gathering, I, and I'll give you a great example of stadiums. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I uh, recently, you know, I have credentials and I went, I went into a stadium, obviously with my credentials, you know, are armed. And um, it, it's, it's interesting that nobody, nobody really, questions that um right I, I i just showed my badge and id and walked right in and now now i'm in there i'm in there with you know a hundred thousand people trapped um right. with 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 a possible uh a risk and it, it's hard because i think technology and and that's the next thing i want to address is how how does technology because i'm sure it's evolved over the years how is technology being leveraged you know, analytics and all this other stuff to to mitigate risk. Because like you said, there's a handful of security, but I know there is a lot of technology being leveraged and whatever you're comfortable answering in that. But I think it's good for people to know that just because there's a handful of security doesn't mean there is there isn't a ton of technology to support that. Correct. And, you know, going back to the, you know, the situational awareness, uh, Disney has a very robust community watch program. Uh, with the cast, you know, when I started back in 1994, I remember my first day of traditions and they said, you know, they teach you the Disney sweep where you can be walking down Main Street, you see a piece of trash on the ground, you can reach down and grab it, never miss a step, grab it, throw it in the next garbage can that's, you know, 10 feet away. And then so they said, you know, everybody's job, no matter what you do, it's also custodial. Well, nowadays it's everybody's job is your job, custodial and security. You know, and they have a big see something, say something program to where, you know, we want we're not in every guest room. We're not. I don't know what's normal at, you know, small world, but the cast that work there every day do. So we go we meet with them once a month or as many as we can per month with security leaders to go over topics, you know, suspicious behavior, suspicious people, suspicious vehicles. Uh, You know, one funny story. uh, We had a housekeeper that had called into the communication center and she was frantic um, that she had walked into a room and there was, there was, as she put it, there was a cache of weapons. I mean, it was, she said, there's, there's body armor, there's weapons. I mean, it just, she was just naming an apocalypse. And so, you know, we call the resort, we immediately lock the room so the key won't work. You know, we call law enforcement, we're, we're responding in force and we walk in and it was also uh, about the time that we were having Star Wars weekends. And they, <laughs> there were two members of the 501st Legion. So it was stormtrooper armor and their weapons and stuff like that. You know, and so it was one of those we get there and then obviously you have that big adrenaline dump because you're like, no, these are, it's props. It's, these are stormtroopers. They're not, you know, bad guys. 
But, you know, we look at that housekeeper and we're like, you know, Good thank job. you very much. Yeah. You know, and we have we have little tchotchkes that we can give them, you know, and depending on how big, you know, what they catch and they call out. You know, we've even had the president of Walt Disney World take them to lunch just to spend time with them to say thank you. You know, and in this case, it was like, hey, you know, we went to the next breakout meeting in front of all of her peers and her leadership. And we said, look, thank you so much for pointing this out to us. Yes, it turned out to be harmless and nothing, but next time it may not be. So we wanted to encourage that behavior to, you know, keep reporting, you know, if you see something. So that's a huge that's that's where Disney gets a lot of their information from is from, you know, just their everyday cast, um, you know, with technology. You know, it's it's one of those that, you know, the metal detectors are obviously, you know, relatively new, you know, a couple of years old that they're constantly getting the latest and greatest to, to find those those weapons or those instruments of, you know, mass casualty type events. Um, you know, CCTV has always kind of been there with, you know, cameras just get a little bit more clear and whatnot. But one thing I've noticed with a lot of um technology is it's really more forensic than protective a camera doesn't stop something from happening it just tells you what happened after it yeah you know, they do um you know we do look at, at guest flow you know how many people are coming in where are they coming in at what are our what are our heavy entry points and then we put a body there you know we let technology tell us what the people are doing and then we react with boots on the ground you know so if it's um, you know, hey, between this time and this time, the flow more so comes from the bus loop at the Magic Kingdom. Okay, well, we're going to shift some people over to the bus loop and less at the monorail because the monorail is really kind of done for today, you know, as far as heavy traffic. Well, okay, at this time, it's more of the boats. Okay, well, now we're going to shift over to the boat ramp. Yeah. Um, you know, during parades, we want all of our folks near the parade route because that's where everybody's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, so you really look at what are those lines like before the turnstiles? Because once they're in, we, for the most part, we know they're green at this point. You know, they've been searched. They've had their bags searched. They've gone through a metal detector. We're pretty confident that they're they're okay. Yeah. So we're really worried about those folks that are beyond that bag check and beyond those metal detectors. Um, you know, and Disney is one of the best canine teams in the world. I'd put, you know, even I've been gone for a couple of years, but the team that trains those dogs and, and leads them are some of the best in the business. And I've seen those dogs just make incredible finds. Um, you know, they're trusted by the Secret Service, um, you know, and other federal agencies. And it's just, it's amazing what they can do. And I think that's probably one of the biggest tools, really. And it's not really tech for a dog, but, you know, they're, they're trained better than some law enforcement dogs. You know, going back to your days there, what was, you know, when you get the call, like the security call over the radio, what what was your dreaded response? Like the number one thing you were like, ugh. You know, it's, they were all different. You know, obviously the one that hits you in the gut the most is, you know, a lost child, you yeah. know, because that could just go sideways really bad. The rest, you just kind of get accustomed to it. Yeah. You know, and it's just you start following the fights the over. He cut in line and right. he took that's my spot in the parade route. <laughs> yeah, that's just Tuesday. You yeah. know, domestics, domestics are always hard to respond to. Um, yeah. You know, medical calls are are tough. You know, I've probably helped land more helicopters, you know, for medical evacuations um, than I care to share. Responded to more traffic accidents than I probably want to. 
um, yeah. pool incidents, you know, where lifeguards are pulling people out of pools. Those are always scary. Um, yeah. And, you know, any kind of ride related injury. Um, those were all you always knew that was going to we were going to talk about that for a while. I mean, if you think about everything Disney deals with, I, I it even goes farther than what I thought when I further when I, you know, went into the call, like I'm thinking parades for most places, like an event venue, like the event is the main security event. The parade is like a 100th of your day of security yep. events you have to worry about. You know, right. you've also got the water parks, the swimming pools, like it's so much to secure and lock down. Just kudos to everyone. You know, obviously I'm a Disney fan because I work there and it's, it's this disease that gets in your blood and once you've worked for Disney, it never leaves. I call it the pixie dust disease because you just breathe and you still love Disney. Once you work there, you're just done. So, um, yeah, I just kudos to how well the security team is run uh, there. And they're really good. You know, you mentioned that you started doing custodial work and just working your way up. You know, Disney really promotes with from within and really believes in rewarding great work ethic and, and great leaders. And I just I think that's how the company has been so successful from a leadership standpoint, like how how they promote the growth and really you know, I remember getting kudos, even being a college intern, you know, so it just, I think they do really well with that. So yeah, I think the other big thing is their ability to develop relationships. You know, some of the folks that, I mean, they have former FBI special agents in charge that are on the leadership team, secret service, Homeland security, local law enforcement leaders that have come over that, you know, are on senior leadership staff, you know, and, you know, folks like me that just worked their way up. I was never in law enforcement. My entire career has been corporate security, you know, yeah. but the ability to partner with the local FBI office, to partner with the local Secret Service office, because, you know, dignitaries like to like to come to the parks, too. You know, we've had presidents come, vice presidents, chief of staff, you know, everybody, um, you know, Reedy Creek Fire Department, local law enforcement, you know, Orange County Sheriff's Office, Osceola County Sheriff's Office. You know, having a relationship with those folks, like we knew who was working every day based off of the, the squad for that day. Yeah. We knew all the detectives. We knew the the captain. You know, we met with them regularly. And it's that partnership to where when you get on scene, there's no posturing. It's what do we need to get done? Let's secure this. Then let's worry about the after effects. You know, it's how do we minimize the um, the exposure to other guests? How do we protect this guest interest? You know, how do we, you know, there's events where you're like, hey, can I know we don't normally do this, but can we do this because of X, Y, Z? And based off of those relationships, those things happen. And, yeah. you know, that's that's key to have those, you know, it's a, kind of an old joke where they say, you know, at an incident, it's not the time to exchange a business card. But that is so true in so many levels that it's, you know, and it's not even funny, you know, the civil support teams come out and work at Disney. You know, they just had the, the Department of Defense Warrior Games. We had the Invictus Games with Prince Harry. You know, those are major events that bring in major people that are targeted in their countries. You know, so now they're here. So how do we how do we partner with the State Department? How do we partner with these, you know, big three letter agencies yeah. where they don't, you know, kind of my running joke is so they don't think we're just some Mickey Mouse operation. You know, it's 
no, we're it's it's bona fide. You know, we can we can do a lot more. I mean, if Disney was a law enforcement agency, they'd be the second largest in Central Florida, just for their security staff. Yeah. So it's you know, there's a lot of of talented leaders down even to the frontline level, and there's a lot of talented cast members who are retired that don't want to move up into leadership. I had a gentleman on my team that was a a one star general. And I kept wanting to get, he goes, I've done that. I just want to come in and greet the guests and check bags for six hours a day and get tickets so I can take my grandkids. He goes, I don't want to be a leader again. He goes, I've commanded platoons and divisions and, you know, everything. He goes, I just want to, he goes, I just wanted to work here and just to have something to do. So oh, my there God. Are those people, <laughs> you know, there are those people that are there that that's a retirement job and they've done amazing yeah. things. And we just tap into those talents. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's well, so. Do you want to? You have anything else? We we maybe have time for one more quick question, but we are coming up on our time. So no, I just my hats off to you, and and you know the few times, like I said, that I've been there, very impressive. Um, I I'm I'm very impressed with not only the security but the customer service. Um, it it, it is the happiest place on earth because of what all of you do. Um, and not because of the brand, not because of, 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 you know, Disney's reputation. It's, it's, you guys are the backbone. Um, and security is, is probably the most under appreciated piece of it. Um, but without that, it, it would, it would just be a neighborhood. Right. Um, right. so it, it's, it's very impressive. My hat's off to you. My hat's off to your, your, your climb in the career field. I, I think it's absolutely tremendous. I love hearing. You know, I started off as a custodian and, and worked my way up. To, and that's just amazing to me. I mean, that's I love those success stories. That's just awesome. And and, you know, that that really is impressive. So thank you. Thank you so much. I still think you should get free tickets for life, but maybe we can start a petition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Delta Delta does that when you when you leave Delta, you, you still have the ability to get tickets. So. Yeah, if I would have waited till 55 and retired, I would have gotten uh, my annual, my cast pass lifetime, but I left way before 55. But, you know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, it's security is a non-revenue generating department. It's always, it's 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 a black hole of money, um, you know, and, and they really, the better things are, the less they want to invest in that. When things got really bad, you know, 9-11, unfortunately, security departments around the world got anything and everything they wanted. You know, and it's, you know, I think that's, that's a, uh, you know, a huge piece, but it's, I think what corporate security needs to realize is your security doesn't have to be bouncers. Secure corporate security only does security stuff, maybe 10% of the time. The rest of the time, they're your greeters. They can work yeah. a front desk. They don't have to be in a uniform. They just have to have that customer service presence and you can multitask that security department to take over things, a front desk, at a building. it doesn't have to be just some, you know, hospitality greeter, let it be a security officer, put them in a blazer with a badge sewn on it or something like that. You know, it's, it's let them, and then you hire and you develop those skills of being customer centric. And then the security stuff really is a, is a low prior as a low percentage of what they do day in and day out. And I think is more, companies realize that and now we're really seeing the merger of cybersecurity and physical security mm -hmm. is they really need to, to look at a security team and go, you know, you can't 
I can't quantify if I didn't do this, it would have cost the company $100,000 versus $50,000. Yeah. I can't tell you what potential loss yeah. could have been, you know, and that's, I think that's the bad thing is, you know, people say, well, nothing's bad happened. Why do I need security? Because nothing's bad's happened. <laughs> if we weren't here, it's you so probably true. would have had bad things happen. So I think it's, I think corporate America just needs to make that shift. And I think they're starting to get there. But I think physical security is still on that on that edge of, well, why should we invest in it if mm-hmm. nothing bad is happening? You know, and I think it's just looking at it as differently culturally. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Well, Scott, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate you, your time. And of course, all of you listening, watching, you can find more podcasts on our website, tngdefense.com. You can Find just the audio on Podbean, Spotify, or iTunes. May I say in closing, have a magical day, guys.